This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I'm Mike Keith, joined by Amy Wells for maybe the most anticipated edition of the OTP ever. That's bold, but I like it, Mike Keith. I think this is going to end up being one of the greatest installments of this podcast. And Coach Dave McGinnis is with us. Coach Mack, welcome to the OTP. Mike Keith and Amy Wells, the OTP is always good. That's a lot to live up to right there. Well, I say it's the most anticipated because we laid out the challenge to Titans fans. Our friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans, our good friend Randy Wilmore, produced Coach Mack bobbleheads. It's an incredibly hot item. It's an amazingly hot item. And so they gave us 20. And so normally our most responded to editions of the OTP revolve around the OTP cues. You go to TennesseeTitans.com slash OTPQ and you submit a question. And we do these periodically. We certainly enjoy doing them with Coach Mack and with Jim Wyatt. And sometimes we do them with other people. We've done them with John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. It's a lot of fun. In this edition, we decided to pick 20 questions for Coach Mack. And each person whose question is selected receives a Coach Mack bobblehead courtesy of Farm Bureau Health Plans. The response has been overwhelming. It has been up to Amy Wells to sort through the questions. There have been, I don't know how many there ended up being, but it was amazing. Amy, what did you use as your criteria to select the 20 that we'll hear asked and answered today? Well, Mike Keith, just to answer your sort of question there, we had over 100 people submit questions. This has been unbelievable. So I had to come up with a little bit of a strategy and beyond just having my dog pick the best ones out, which I thought about doing, I tried to find ones that covered a lot of topics that would be informative and for the most part centered around Titans football. I want to make sure that the OT people are getting the most information that they can possibly glean out of Coach Mack. They all had to be for Coach Mack and they couldn't ask, can I have a bobblehead? Because that's lame. Well, and it makes a lot of sense because as we're taping this on December 23rd and people will be able to listen to this with it having great insight up until kickoff, 7.20 Central Time at Green Bay throughout the holiday weekend, it makes sense that football, football, football is what this is all about because you're talking to the guy who knows more football, football, football than anybody. Coach Mack is a wealth of knowledge, and I wanted to make sure that we were able to cover as much ground as we could and teach the OT people something. I think that's important, too. 20 questions asked and answered with Dave McGinnis. Each one of these questions selected, the person will receive a Coach Mack bobblehead from Farm Bureau Health Plans. Amy Wells, the floor is yours. Take it away, and let's let it roll. All right, Coach Mack, our first question is from Stuart in Memphis, Tennessee. He asks, Coach Mack, when you watch practice, what are the most important things that you are looking for? Stuart, thanks uh, for the question and, and congratulations on being the first one that Amy Wells selected for the bobblehead Coach Mack. Look, 
and it depends on what type, what time of year. If I'm watching practice during the year, the first thing I'm looking at is to see which players are on the field during the drills. Because during the season, you're going to have different players that are going to be out for a period of time, uh, especially in this COVID time. You can bring up certain people from your practice squad. It's, it's uh, important and enlightening for Mike and I to be able to see who is working into some spots on special teams and then on offense and defense and what particular spots they are working in, just so we'll have an idea when we start doing our broadcast, you know, of, of what to expect. Mike Vrabel and John Robinson are very gracious with, with Mike and I and you, Amy, letting us watch practice so that we can bring the best broadcast that we can. The next thing I, I, I look at, and I, I really uh, concentrate on what they're doing in walkthrough, because during walkthrough, you know, all my years of coaching, during the season, your walkthroughs are exactly what your game plan is and what you've gone over in the meeting rooms. And so, again, I like to watch their walkthroughs, and I like to be able to see and get an idea. Maybe here's what they're going to do different this week in the red zone on third down. Here's what they're going to do different out on the field uh, offensively. Take a look at and, and to see if they're doing anything unusual with their formations or their personnel. So really, and you 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 you're there with us. We really we really watch the the practice. There's not a whole lot of idle chatting going on. We're watching the practice because we're trying to enable the broadcast to be as good as it can be for our listeners. All right, Mac, that was thorough. I like it. This is another question about kind of personnel. Chris from Greenville, Tennessee says, when you're looking at running back tandems, why is it always a hammer like Derrick Henry and then a quicker, smaller change of pace guy? Seeing how Derrick Henry wears on a defense, why not have another large power back similar to his size to continually punish the opposing defenses throughout the duration of a game? Like the question, the first reason is there's not many other running backs like Derrick Henry out there. I mean, you're not, you're not going to, you, you can't replicate that. I mean, that is, that is, is, is something that uh, we haven't seen in this league come along for quite a while with that size and speed, but the, the, the good uh, Darrington Evans, you, if you, if you will remember when we took Darrington Evans uh, coming out of app state there, the one thing that impressed me about him, uh, even with his, his, Height is not what Derrick Henry is, but he's not a small scat back, and, and he can run the inside and outside zone. He's a 200-plus pound back that can that can move inside the tackles also. And then also what you have, have seen us uh, the, the Titans do lately is, is they're rotating some backs in there, and the point that you make about Derrick Henry wearing people down, that's a great, great point, and it's also a good point for the offensive line when they start to wear on people in that third and fourth quarter, really – you want backs that can hit the hole with the same type of speed that Derrick Henry does. And when you've already started to crease that defensive line in the third and fourth quarter, you may get extra yards, even just block yardage because the defense is worn down. All right, Coach Mack. Our third question is from Lewis in Cheshire, Connecticut. He says, does being a coordinator up in the booth help a team out more by giving a better overall perspective view over the field Versus what you can see from the sideline. So this is a question about in-game. When you're a coordinator, does it help to have someone up in the booth in addition to having someone down on the field? When the bobblehead coach Mac goes to Cheshire, Connecticut, we need to put a coat on him. 
because I know it's probably a little bit chilly out there right now. So we need to dress him up warm when he goes out there. Great question. And, 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 and it really depends on the coordinator. Some coordinators really like to be on the sideline and like to be able to be with their players where they can talk to them when they come off the field. There is no doubt. I've, I've, done, I've done both during my coaching career in the National Football League. There's no doubt the view up, upstairs is much better. But what you miss being upstairs is all, all of the all of the uh, booths are sealed up there. So you, you, you first of all, you don't get any of the atmosphere. And then being on the sideline, you can kind of get a feel for players. You get a feel for what's going on. And if you're going to be in the booth, Amy, something that's very important is you have to have somebody you implicitly trust to relay your messages to your players on the sideline, especially between series. When I was a coordinator, I liked being on the sideline because I like being able to talk to my guys but I had somebody that I could implicitly trust up there in the booth to give me the information that I wanted. But it's the reason that Mike Keith does, does all of his broadcasts, and we always do with the windows open in our broadcast booth wherever we are. You get a feel for what's going on during the game if you've got it open and you can, you can feel what's happening. You're involved in the vibe of what's going on. The, the coaching booth is pretty hermetically sealed, so it's a different perspective from both spots. Now, Coach Mack, you've been around for a while, so you might be able to speak to a little bit of this, and Mike Keith might be able to chime in with some technical specifics here. Number four is from Derek in Sacramento, California. He said, I've always had a question about the schedule and how it's made and how games are picked for the Titans and how they determine what division we play next, all of those things. Does it seem like there are some games that we play more often because we have rivals with them, such as the Bills, for example? Coach Mack, in your experience, do you notice that there are teams that you'll continue to play over and over again because there's some sort of a rivalry or an excitement in that matchup? Well, if you want to talk about the Bills, they're in the AFC, and we and we when when you are are, are playing your opponents, uh, you you are scheduled. If you're not playing the, the entire division, if 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 the Bills are the division and you finish the same as they did the year before, then that's 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 where they're scheduled. The NFC is a four-year rotation. It's all it's all a four-year rotation. Everything and everything is determined, but they wait for the schedule. They wait for the schedule until after everything is pretty much settled, even after the draft. You can see where they'll start to put it together. Uh, but there are some people it may seem like that you play on a regular basis. But most of the time, those are the teams that are either finishing the same as you do uh, or they're in, in the same conference. It's, it's the conference teams that you're playing. Mike Keith, you can come in on this a little bit. You've hit it perfectly, Coach. There is no randomness to it in terms of anything other than what the rotation is. So nobody sits down in New York and says, oh, wouldn't it be fun to see so-and-so play so-and-so one time? There, there's none of that. It's all about divisional rotations and then rotations determined by where you finish in your own division based on who you're scheduled to play. For example, we know an overall rotation as it's scheduled now through 2022 which is why we know the majority of the opponents for next season already. Thank you, Mike Keith. You got to bring in Mike Keith for the mathematical parts of any question. That's kind of his thing. All right, Coach Mack, we are moving right along. We have more questions from the OT people. Question number five is from Rashad in Smyrna, Tennessee. He says, for us that listen and read Titans news on a daily rotation, we often hear about the injury and practice reports. 
can you give us an understanding of what the status is like limited participation and did not practice actually mean? If a guy does not practice, does that mean that they're not around the team at all? Or does limited participation mean that they didn't tackle? What do some of those words that we see all the time really mean? Rashad, great question. And thank you. Thank you very much for that question from Smyrna. Look, the designations are put out so that everybody uh, in the National Football League, you, you have to be you have to be transparent to a point as to how people practice. Now, during the season, here's what I would say. If you want a little insiders on it, don't pay any attention to Wednesday's practice. <laughs> Do not, because what happens is, as, as you get later on in the season, coaches will give veteran players or players that are that are nursing, uh, you know, maybe something that's not a, an injury that's debilitating, but they just may give them days off. You know, they may give them active rest and, and days off. So your Wednesday practice report, don't pay any, any attention to. Limited means is that they've gone, probably gone through individual and, and maybe have done a little bit of team or maybe have gone in after individual and haven't done any team yet to continue to work on whatever their injury is. The practice report you need to pay attention to that makes a bearing, that has a bearing. Now, this year's different because of all the COVID call-up rules where you can call people up from the practice squad. It's something different than anything I've experienced in my 35 years in the National Football League. But if you want to, if you want to try to find out uh, and who you think may be and, and get a pretty educated guess, pay attention to the Friday practice report. The Friday practice report, most coaches are a little wary, uh, except in limited cases, of playing somebody that hasn't practiced all week. All right. Now there's, you know, we've got a player that didn't practice all week last week that played and played very well, Roger Saffold. Roger Saffold, though, is a veteran player. He knows what's going on. And so at this time of year, it was more important for him to be able to get the active rest and then be ready to go on Sunday rather than come out there and, and, and take some reps and not only possibly, you know, aggravate whatever his issue was. But when you've got 22 bodies out there and you're practicing in team, no matter what, there's always a chance somebody's going to get stepped on, somebody's going to get bounced, somebody's going to get tripped over. And so it, it's really Mike Vrabel does a wonderful job of knowing where his players are, you know, physically and getting them to the game healthy. I'm very impressed with the great feel that he has for that. But Rashard, pay attention to the Friday practice report. Wednesday and Thursday, not so much. Well, Mac, let's talk about some of uh, Mike Vrabel's players because Andrew from Murfreesboro asks, will getting a Dory Jackson and Christian Fulton back allow the team to play more man coverages or will it help improve their zone coverages? Well, I mean, anytime you get speed in the back end, it helps you. But now, Adoree Jackson and Christian Fulton are two separate cases. Adoree Jackson's a veteran player. And now what he's, he has to do, you know, is just physically get back up to speed. You know, watching him in practice and watching the 27 plays that, that he played uh, last week against Detroit, you can see he's working himself back in. But this is a veteran player that has played. Christian Fulton, you know, is a rookie and has not played very much at all. And so his practice time is really, really important for him. And so it's going to be very different the way they deploy a Dory when they feel like that he is completely ready to go, which they're starting to work back in, or Christian the field yet very much as a player in the National Football League. So they're, they both have speed, but they are distinctly different in the way they're going to bring them back from whatever their injuries were, just because of the different uh, points they are in their careers. 
Hey, Titans fans, get a kick before kickoff with Duncan. DD Perks members can score four times the points on any beverage purchase every Titans game day during the regular season when you order ahead on the Duncan app. Download the Duncan app today and order ahead for in-store carryout or drive-through pickup for a quick, contactless experience. Just use your phone to order and pay. Make Duncan part of your game day ritual and score four times the points to help keep you running all season long. Titans fans run on Duncan. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Think about our friends at Duncan this Sunday and use the app. Well, this is going well. The OTPQs with Coach Mack, six people have had their questions asked and answered. Those six people know they are getting a Coach Mac bobblehead from Farm Bureau Health Plans. Amy Wells, who is the seventh? All right, Coach Mac, take a sip of your Dunkin' coffee here because you're going to like this question. We're talking straight ball right now. This is from Justin in Bethpage, Tennessee, and he says, Coach Mac, I hear on Sundays you say the team is set up in different personnel and you say a number to designate it. Could you explain what those numbers correlate to? 11 man, 12 man, et cetera. I love the question. I should let Amy Wells answer this question because when I first got here, we had sessions for two years on personnel. She is an expert. Great question. And let, and let, me, let me tell you, everybody in the National Football League matches up versus personnel. So here's where it is. And, and write this down if you're listening. If you're, if you're not listening live, do the podcast and write it down because here it is. Every offensive snap, there are five eligible players that are eligible to receive a pass. There are six if the quarterback is in shotgun. If the quarterback is under center, he is not an eligible receiver. But for uh, matchup pers uh, personnel reasons, you don't include the quarterback ever. Okay, so there are five. And so here is what you do. The first number, the first number that you see, if I say 21, okay, 21, the first number that I say is how many running backs are in the game. So there are two running backs in the game. The second number is how many tight ends are in the game. So 21 means there's two running backs and there's one tight end. Now, you only say that for, you only say two numbers for this reason. It's quicker to communicate. It's easier to, to, to call in and tell your signal caller who's in. It's easier to tell your players who's in. You see the boards that they hold up. They have 20. So if there are two running backs in the game and there's one tight end and there's, you're only trying to get to five. Uh, I grew up in West Texas. They did. They taught us this high, at least in math. Okay. You've got two running backs. <laughs> You've got one tight end, and so 21 personnel is two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers, okay? That basis is you go with everything. So if I tell you, Amy Wells, if I tell you <laughs> there are there is 22 personnel in the game, there are how many? Two running backs, two tight ends. How many receivers are there in the game? One receiver. Just one. Just okay. one, Mac. You can go through. So now when I say that, I say, hey, look, the Titans right now, they're in 13 personnel. Well, you already know they've got Derrick Henry in the game, one running back, three tight ends in the game, and then one wide receiver. And so when uh, a defensive signal caller sees these matchups, he has to match his personnel. Am I going to play base? Am I going to play nickel? Am I going to play big nickel? Am I going to play dime? 
And so it's all a matchup game. But uh, when I do that, I do that so that our listeners can envision what is on the field and what the matchups are. Man, Mac, that just made my heart so happy. That was a great explanation. And everybody just got a little bit smarter listening to the OTD. All right, question number eight is from Peter in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And he says, our offense right now is probably the best that I have ever seen. Offensive coordinator Arthur Smith gets a lot of credit for this, and rightly so. How much credit does head coach Mike Vrabel deserve for the Titans offense? Well, Mike Vrabel deserves all the credit in the world for hiring Arthur Smith, you know, and, and, and hiring him as a coordinator. And you remember when Matt LaFleur left to go to Green Bay as the head coach, you know, there was, you know, some question as to, as to, as to who would be the next coordinator. And, and I will say this, and I will say this, you know, with, 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 with all honesty, you know, Mike Keith and I, and you also at the time said, Arthur Smith is probably going to get heavy consideration. Smith personally, as a coach, you know, when I was coaching with the Titans and when he, he first came here, it, it, to me, it was one of the best football decisions ever. So Mike Vrabel deserves all the credit in the world for, for, making that hire and bringing Arthur along. Arthur Smith deserves credit for as, as diligent as he's been his entire career, you know, uh, preparing for this opportunity. The entire offensive staff deserves a lot of credit. John Robinson deserves, look, when you start talking about credit in the National Football League for success, it's gotta be an organizational credit because that's what happens in football. Nobody is ever a singular entity that is solely responsible for success in the National Football League. It's too much team oriented. And so everybody deserves credit for it. But if you want to go back to the start, you know, I, I give myself a lot of credit for working with Arthur Smith when I was first here. How's that? <laughs> I think that's good. You deserve all the credit in the world, Coach Mack. <laughs> Question number nine is from Ben in Lexington, Kentucky. And he says the Titans are playing the Packers on Sunday night against former offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur. What kind of game planning happens for both clubs, seeing as there is some familiarity between the coaching staffs? You know, great question. And there's, a, there's some, look, this, what are we in? We're in the 16th week now. So familiarity, yeah. everybody is familiar with everybody because everybody has all the tape you know, that, that you can see. You clearly, you clearly know, you know, that these both of these offenses had their original germination with Mike Shanahan in some form or fashion, but everybody has taken those branches of it and has tweaked it to what their personnel can do, you know, what their how how their how their quarterback responds, how their people respond, and then everybody adds their own uh, particular touch to it. So there really is no advantage as as to having Matt Lafleur having been here for one season as the as the offensive coordinator at this point in time. Uh, Amy and for the OT people everybody is pretty much dialed in on what's going on with everybody else just because there's so much tape and film out there and at this time of year if you're successful as both of these clubs have been the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans you're going to go with what you've been doing because that's been successful that's what your guys are in the groove with then it comes down to being able to execute it. All right Coach Mack let's talk a little defense and Winner number 10 of a Coach Mac bobblehead is Carl from Hermitage, Tennessee. He says, Coach Mac, I love when you break down the personnel groupings during the Titans radio broadcast, which we learned about earlier. Will you please explain the challenges for a defense when an offense uses motion with its skill positions before snapping the ball? 
Oh, I love that question. I love that question from Hermitage. That is an outstanding question. We need to sit down. We need to have him sit down and watch tape with us, Amy. I mean, I, we I, do. Down. I like, I love the question. Yeah, motion, mo first of all, personnel groups is one thing, but motion and alignment is huge. You hear me talk a lot about, first of all, nine ball stacks where, where, where three receivers are stacked together at one time, you know, trying to, to, to confuse the, the, the defense if they're playing man to man and trying to get natural rubs on routes. But motion, here's what motion, motion does two things. Motion, first of all, helps an offense to uh, decide whether the defense is in man or zone. That's number one. And depending on the splits their receivers have with the motion, then once you see what they're deployed in, whether they're in man or zone, then you've got to be able to figure out before the clock runs out, are they in three deep zone? Are they in quarters? Or, you know, are they in quarter, quarter halves? Now, if they're in man, are they in man free? Are they in man with a robber in the middle? Are they in man? Are they going to, are they going to slice or double this receiver that's in motion? Who is my single receiver that's left uncovered on the other side? But motion helps you declare a lot of things. You'll hear me say a lot of times that it's in my, Mike Keith will say they has got an empty backfield, as he says in his broadcast, and then they bring the running back back into the backfield. Well, that's for a man zone declaration also. Here's a little tip if you're watching on television. They put a running back outside and a linebacker walks out on him, they're in man-to-man. -man. If they put a running back outside and the corners just widen and the defense widens out, they're in some sort of zone. OK, so all of those things make mean something, you know, formations, personnel groups and motions. They tell you something They, you know, they but you have to understand how to read the book. Coach Mack, here's another defense question. This is from Robert from Columbia. He says the defense isn't playing well on third down. My question is, has this become a mental problem for this defense or is it still a lack of execution? That's a lack of execution, and you've got to win one-on-ones. And, 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 and let me just say this. Third down success in the National Football League is directly related to first and second down success. The issues that the defense was having early in the season, they were getting people to third and seven plus, which is hard to do in the National Football League. Third and seven plus should be a percentage win for the defense. People were, were converting third and double digit against us at too high of a rate. Okay, so when it comes to that, the issue with that is, is – if it's third and, and, and seven plus, they need time for these routes to get to the sticks and get open. So the pressure is an issue and most, all of the pressure, it, it doesn't come down to scheme and it doesn't come down to tricking anybody. Whether you, you blitz or whether you have a base rush, Amy, and for our listeners, you've got to win your one-on-ones. We have not been winning enough one-on-ones consistently in those pressure type situations. Question number 12. This is from Jeff from Fairview, Tennessee. He says, with our struggles on defense and our current players' abilities, would you try to blitz a lot and try and create offensive mistakes, or do you just play more coverage? Well, they, they, they've, and it's a, it's a good question. It's a legitimate question. They've blitzed and played coverage both. I mean, you've got to mix it up. You can't be either or, you know, you, in the National Football League. You can't just be fish or foul in the National Football League defensively. Offensively, offenses are too smart. They can understand. They can work their, their matchups. So you've got to be able to mix it. And here's, here's what you have to be able to do defensively. It sounds very simple. When I first came into the league, you know, and it's, they would tell me, you know, kid, here's what I want your defense to do. Just make them punt. 
make them punt, find a way to make them punt, steal us a possession. And then when you really start rolling, then you start making the, the explosive plays on defense, which are sacks, which are turnovers, you know, which are being able to score on defense. But you've got to play a mix of both. You can't just be either or. You can't just be blitz and man. Now, the issue with blitz and playing man to man, and let me just touch on that a minute. If you blitz and don't get there, man to man is the worst thing you can be in. Because you've got one guy with the entire field to have to cover. And, and it, it, it's just, it's so you have to be able to do both. It's a must in the National Football League defensively. You have to be able to do both. Number 13, who has won a Coach Mac bobblehead, is Howard from Lincoln, California. He says, I've heard you and Mike say the season is played in quarters. Now, you can't compare what a team does in September to how they play in December. If a team runs the table in the final quarter of the regular season and wins a playoff game, do you believe their momentum is an equalizer to the talent level of a team like Kansas City? Would you rather have a better complete team or have the team that's riding the momentum going into the big game? That's a thought-provoking question from Lincoln, California. I, I like that. And there's some merit to both sides of it. Clearly, a team like Kansas City that's been very, very solid throughout the year, has been winning ball games. that is probably that is going in as the number one seed, more than likely in, in the AFC. They have their body of work has earned them that that spot. And so you they want to continue what they're doing now. The playoffs are, are really an unusual thing in professional sports in the National Football League for this reason. There is no other league that their playoffs are one and done. There is no other league. Everybody else plays series. Everybody else plays, you know, three out of five or four out of seven. And so the National Football League, if you have done enough at some point to get into the playoffs and then, and then in one game, in one 60-minute stretch, in one three-hour and 15-minute stretch, you are able to put together enough plays and a game plan to be able to win a game, regardless of how well your opponent has done to that point. If you win that game, you advance, they go home. And so it, the, the question has got merit on both sides of it. The key is, Amy, is get in the tournament. That's what you fight for, is to get in the tournament. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of healthcare coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. You're listening to the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans who produced Coach Mac bobbleheads. They gave us 20 to give away. We ask you for OTPQs. We have selected 20 questions. Coach Mack has received 13 of those questions. He has answered 13. Seven are left to come. Amy Wells, who is winner number 14? Winner number 14 is Jonathan from Dixon, Tennessee. He says, Coach, can you give me an example of how changes for this COVID 2020 season may have benefited teams, players, and coaches? You know, Jonathan, I, 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 the question is legitimate for this reason. Here's the big benefit, 16-man practice squad. That's a huge benefit and being able to call them up on game day. That is huge. I mean, when you really start to think about having those extra players and then not having to put – and then they're, them being able to revert back to the practice squad without going through waivers at least three, you know, three times, that is huge. To me, that's been the biggest change. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that when COVID is gone, 
you know, and it's it, when COVID's out of here and we're back and we're back to running normal in our society and in the National Football League, some of that may still be in place because that has been a very, very interesting facet of the COVID uh, new rules that we've used this year. I like the positive spin on the 2020 season. I thought that was nice. So good job, Coach Mack. Number 15, our winner is John from Simpsonville, South Carolina. And he says, Coach Mack, is it harder to get in sync run blocking or pass blocking for an offensive line? The Titans have had a lot of change this season on the line, and it doesn't appear to have missed a step. We got some great questions, Amy. Amy, great right. questions from the OT people. You have picked great questions. The the senior accounting firm of Wells, Wells, and Weller have done a <laughs> job of picking the question. Well, thanks, Mac. Technically, technically, it pass protection is 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 much more difficult because of this. Defenses don't stay static when they're rushing the passer. That it's different alignments, it's different games, it's it's bringing more people than you can block at certain times. You have to identify who they are, 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 are bringing. Run blocking, offensive lines, they love to run block because there's two things. They're, they're big physical dudes, they're physical by nature. They love to be able to come off in unison, lean on people, and it just, it really, it really gets them going into the game. You can, our offensive line and, and the, the the, the question and the answer that they answered themselves has done a tremendous job this year. This offensive line has been so impressive, as has the entire blocking unit, when you really break it down and start watching it. But the pass blocking is, is much more difficult just because of all the variations that you have to identify when you are pass protecting. Number 16 is Austin from Greenbrier, Tennessee. And he kind of speaks to, we mentioned the changes in the offensive line. He says, is the injury bug biting the Titans recently a potential blessing in disguise as it gives younger players the chance to step up and show what they have to offer? You know what? You can look at it both ways. All the years that I was coaching, I mean, you never want injuries, okay? You never count injuries as a blessing. You want your, your best players healthy the entire time. But the chance of somebody being injured during the course of a 17th National Football League season is 100%. And so it does give other people a chance. And you have players, Mike Vrabel has said this, and, I, and, and he's so right. I, I used to say this. We don't have people on this team just to be on the team. If you are on the football team and you're practicing, you are expected to practice and prepare as if you are going to play the entire snaps of, on that side of the ball in a, in a National Football League game. It's just why you're there. It's why you're there, and it's why it's a very select group. We have gone pretty deep into our depth this year at certain positions, and right now, you know, we're sitting at 10 wins, which is a, a huge accomplishment. And so the thing that I would point out is this. If you are on a National Football League team, either as a, on the active roster or on the expanded practice squad this year, you better be ready to play and be paying attention and be preparing every week because you're going to play. Coach Mack. We've talked a lot about Mike Vrabel on this show, and we're going to continue doing that. Question number 17 is from Gary in Antioch, Tennessee. He says, when evaluating Coach Vrabel this year, what has he done in coaching this team that you would give him a thumbs up for? First of all, I mean, I'm a big Mike Vrabel fan, and, 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 and not because I have to be. You know, I've been coaching long enough that, you know, if it, it, I can say whether it's good or bad. I know good from bad. And here, here's, what, here's, here's what I love about Mike Vrabel. He is a hands-on coach. 
and he understands the he understands the tone and the timber and the temperature of his team at every time. He just gets it. He he gets it. He knows he knows what they're thinking. He knows where their bodies are. He knows how to get a team ready because he's done it. He's done it as a player at an extremely high level. And and the other thing, when you watch practice, like we, you and Mike and I get to do, he is so hands on and he is so spot on. And it to me, he is the embodiment of what you need in the National Football League as a coach. He reminds me a lot of, and I don't throw these compliments out very easy. I worked for one of the all-time greats in Mike Ditka that was a great player also. But the way that Mike Ditka coached on the field, players immediately respect what he's done in the past. And then when he starts to talk and he starts to, to be able to, you know, to get down and, and, and to relate to them with what's getting ready to happen this week and how what I am telling you will help you this week on this play in this game that might make the difference. I love watching it because I, I, I worked on a staff with a head coach like that when I first started. It's invaluable. Question number 18 is from Matthew from Knoxville, Tennessee. It says, Coach Mack, who would you say has improved the most from earlier in this season to now? Player-wise? Player-wise. Player-wise, are you talking Mike, Keith, and I uh, on the broadcast? Are you in the moat? Are we talking – no, player – here. Player-wise, player what I would say is Nate Davis. I think I think that player he has done a marvelous job. That in that you know we I, we just talked about the offensive line a little earlier, Amy, and the other earlier questions. This center guard triangle, to me, has played really good football all year, and it is vital to the inside and outside zone because that's where your double teams start. That's where your work up to the second level starts. That's the the second level blocks are what get Derrick Henry to his fourth and fifth step. But that center guard triangle of Saffold. Jones and Davis have been outstanding this year. Outstanding. Nate Davis is the youngest of that trio, and he had the further to come. I've been really impressed with his development and his play. Now, you and Mike Keith also continue to improve on your broadcast. They get funnier and funnier every game. They really do. They're very entertaining. Good job, guys. All right, question number 19. We are approaching the end here. This is Alan from Jackson, Tennessee. He is just one of Coach Mac bobblehead. And he says, Coach Mac, if you could choose only one, would you rather see A.J. Brown and Corey Davis get 1,000 yards each or Derrick Henry hit the 2,000-yard mark? I'm going to choose one real big one. I would like to see all three of them with a Lombardi trophy in their hands. That's what I choose. You, you're cheating the game. No, I don't no, like it when you no, cheat the game. That, that is a that is a coach. That's how bobblehead coach Mac would have answered this. Bobblehead <laughs> coach Mac is all for the team. I, those, I, those three players you just mentioned, they could care less. They just want the wins. Mike Keith. But if Derrick Henry gets two thousand yards, it probably means the Titans won both of the remaining. That's an answer. That's a legitimate answer. I want the Lombardi trophy. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll turn my mic off again now. Thank you. The final question and the final winner of a Coach Mac bobblehead is Carlos from Asheville, North Carolina, because I love this question. This is probably my favorite question of all of them, and they were all phenomenal. Coach Mac, if you had to field a team of one cloned Titan 
at every position, who would it be? Who would you clone 53 of and feel the team? Clone 53, would it be all the same? They'd be all one player at every position. Who is that player? Let's go with the big man, Derrick Henry. He's fast. He's big. He's tough. He's team-oriented. He's, he's, he's extremely mean. He hurts people with a stiff arm and then just walks away like it's an everyday occurrence. Uh, let's put that. Let's put that. And he's and he's so team oriented. You never hear him talk about himself. Let's let's let let's take all those attributes of the big man, Derrick Henry. Mike Keith, do you have an answer? I would probably go with Derrick Henry. My second answer would be Jeffrey Simmons. Fifty-three Jeffrey Simmons getting off the bus would make other teams forfeit. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think you'd score a ton of points. Well, I think you would. <laughs> because he's such he's an amazing athlete, too. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. But I would say Derrick Henry as well. That's a great answer, Coach. And Coach, this was incredible. I mean, 20 questions and answers, great questions, fantastic answers from you. Really fitting of a bobblehead of the Coach Mac bobblehead, which is the finest bobblehead that I have ever seen. And for these 20 winners, we will be contacting you in order to get your address so that these can be mailed to you from our friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans. Again, thank you to our great friend, Randy Wilmore. And we are very thankful that Farm Bureau sponsors the OTP. We are very thankful that all of you subscribe to the OTP. If you are new, just because of this OTP Q's edition with Coach Mack, Please subscribe. Please tell your friends. Please pass it on. We've had a chance to do a lot of exciting things in 2020 in spite of all the craziness. And we plan to do even more in 2021. So, Coach Mack, thank you so much for this. And uh, thank you for allowing them to do the bobblehead. Oh, please. Hey, guys, for everybody, uh, Farm Bureau Health Plans, Randy Wilmore, clearly you guys, the OT people. This has been wonderful. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. This was so much fun. Amy Wells, excellent job selecting the questions. I know you were very stressed about it, but I think you did a fine job. I wanted to make sure that we had a good show. I think this exceeded even my expectations. This was remarkable. We all learned something. We got to have some stimulating conversations. I am so excited and so thankful to the OT people for sending so many questions. I would wager that we will find a way to get all of the other ones answered as well. Don't you worry, guys. More answers are coming. We're going to do more OTPQ shows in 2021. This has been one of the things that we've done this year that has been best received. Anytime you want to submit a question, go to TennesseeTitans.com slash OTPQ for official Titans podcast question. Hey, hey. You just submit a question, leave them there. And we gather them together from time to time, get the group together. Again, we've done it with Coach Frabel, we've done it with John Robinson, and we will continue to do more of those in 2021. So Merry Christmas. And thank you for being so good to us. And when we get on that plane, Let's be 11 and four coming back from Green Bay. How about that? Yeah. It has to happen, whether it's 1,000 yards for AJ and Corey or 
Derek or throwing for 8,000 yards for Ryan Tannehill. Doesn't make any difference. Win the game. And Amy, good luck to you in the moat with it being 15 degrees. I'm going to be so warm and snuggly. You guys don't even understand. I'm ready for it. Bring it on. You're going to have to Instagram the moat coat. <laughs> I will Instagram the moat coat. Because <laughs> everybody's going to want to see how you're decked out for this one. Oh, it's going to be a, a beaut. For Coach Mack, for Amy Wells, for Ashley Farrell, for Jeff Harding and our entire staff, again, Merry Christmas to everyone. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Farm Bureau Health Plans. You've been with us for the holiday edition of the OTP. Tighten up, everybody. Where the legends go, everybody knows it's our house. Fighting for Tennessee, making history. Greatness is meant to be ours now. Hey, we got Titan blood running through our veins.